Good morning, diners and travelers. You're listening to On the Menu with Anne and Peter Haig. Um, I'm happy that you joined us, and we're going to be talking to some interesting people, starting out with Martina McBride. Who was a singer, but she cooks as well. Yeah, we didn't, know, we didn't even know she liked to cook. So anyhow, her book is called Martina's Kitchen Mix. Which is really a great title, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's pretty clever. That's yeah. pretty clever. Well, I guess we, I guess, I guess we might as well play the interview, right? Exactly. Did you drop something on the floor, dear? I dropped everything on the floor. Oh, <laughs> well, in that, in that case, I'll start the track with Martina. Great. I read a list of things that Martina McBride, who is, of course. Um, a, a well-known, award-winning uh, country music star. It says that you did 13 studio albums, one live album, four compilation albums, two video albums, three additional albums, 45 music videos, 51 singles, 16 other songs, 45 album appearances, plus tours, other appearances, and listeners she cooks. <laughs> so, but what we're going to be talking to Martina about, and I think that the titling is very clever, Martina, uh, is called Martina's Kitchen Mix, My Recipe Playlist for Real Life. And you carry that through with uh, graphics of records and so forth. I think that was very clever. Thank you. Um, and, you know, reading this, I, I can tell you, I mean, it's this, listeners, she is a serious cook. This is not just um, uh, uh, something that's dashed off, capitalizing on her um, success and her public performance or her publicity. I mean, she really cooks. I just I think that the only thing that I question, Martina, is I'm not going to do that thing you talked about. Don't what do you, don't do it till you try it. Don't yeah, knock I'm it until you try it. There were a couple of those I'm not so sure I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about this, the whole concept of this album, I mean, of this book. Uh, well, it's just really, um, you know, the way I've been cooking for my friends and family over the past couple of years. Um, just a compilation of recipes that, that I think are delicious, and they're, you know, the book is very approachable. It's, there's not... No fancy ingredients or, you know, special equipment needed. It's just really delicious food that you can cook for your friends and family. And I feel like, you know, I want to set everybody up to succeed in the kitchen. And so the, the recipes are pretty simple and straightforward. And, um, yeah, I, so I, I'm hoping that people are enjoying the book and actually cooking the recipes out of it. Yeah, but I want to make sure that people understand these are not uh, just sort of simple, dumbed-down recipes. Um, you managed to do a fresh take on a lot of what we would consider Classics. classic recipes or day-to-day recipes. Um, I think you really delved into what you suggest others do, um, letting your imagination wander around and, and upping the game on some of these recipes, or most all of these recipes. Is that what we're oh. talking about? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that there are some some very classic recipes, like my mom's pot roast is, and and gravy is in the book. And um, yeah, what is that know, about that? I mean, it seems to me to be straightforward. Is there some twist to that one? Not really. It's just the way my mom always cooks pot roast, and I think everybody kind of does. You know, has their own twist on it. 
So, but it's pretty, it, it's one of my favorites. It's one of those recipes that feels like home, you know. It's when you oh, yeah. a recipe that you grow up with that you I always make for my family on special occasions. And, yeah, so I, but I also put a lot of suggestions in the book, like you said, about ways to to uh, ad-lib, kind of, you know. Yeah, what are your ad-libs? Dishes? You have a lot of ad-libs after dishes. What what are they? They're just different ways to make the dish. You know, I feel like, you know, the rest of the book has over 100 recipes, but I feel like there's actually more than that because with any given recipe, I give examples of how to change it up and make it different, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, and also encourage people to, to, to do their own take on recipes and to, to experiment in the kitchen and not be afraid of cooking. Yeah, well, you clearly play around. I mean, you experiment with things. To, in, well, let's talk about the content here. You you break it down to breakfast and brunch, and you have a huge section. Boy, I was really admiring your take on cocktails and appetizers sort of matched together. Yeah, uh-huh. I, was, I love, you know, I love appetizers, and I feel like that's, you know, something that you people can – Sometimes people forget to make or, or don't have a good, you know, go-to recipe for. But I just love, you know, if people come over, it's nice to have something set out that they can nibble on while the meal is, you know, while you're visiting and having a cocktail and before the meal gets served. Yeah, well, you, you tend to like, oh, here's one of those that I'm not going to, I'm not ever going to make this, Martina McBride, called fluff salad. <laughs> <laughs> You should it's try nice. it. I'm telling you, it's oh, delicious. Oh, come on. It's marshmallows, baby marshmallows, and pimento cheese, right? Yeah. And pineapple. I, I just, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't ever in my whole life do that one. <laughs> so, but you're also big on salads, and some of those are really good, too. Yeah. Yeah, I love salads. I mean, I've, you know, the book has... Salads and soups. I love to make soups, so there's a lot of really good soup recipes in there. Um, and appetizers, cocktails, breakfast, um, main dishes, of course, and side dishes. It's kind of a, a, I feel like it's a really well-rounded book and has a lot of different, you know, recipes that are for all kinds of entertaining or just cooking for your family right. now, or yourself. The, your, your biggest section is not desserts because... Like me, um, you, you don't have a real sweet tooth, but you have some really interesting ones. I mean, easy to make, first of all, because after cooking uh-huh. a whole meal, I mean, you know, you don't have to get involved with desserts either. Right. Well, that, that's what takeout's for, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the some of your... One of these is like, do you really make these macarons? Because I couldn't find a recipe for those. For what? The macaron, the French style oh, no. cookies. There, no. there's, there's not a recipe for those in there, huh? It's beautiful. The pictures are great. You know, they're they're almost Mardi Gras colors. Yeah, it's a, I like that picture. Yeah, I like it too. So tell us what some of your what you might view as. Oh, here's a funny thing. I forgot when to mention. I was reading along, and then all of a sudden, I thought, "What is this, Harrisburgs? Tell us about Harrisburgs." Oh, well, when my <laughs> husband was a kid, his mom was making uh, Brussels sprouts, and he saw there was something on the news about Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, so he made that association, and he always called them Harrisburgs instead of Brussels sprouts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I couldn't figure that one out, but I didn't. 
until you wrote it. It's, it's not. It's not really intuitively it's obvious. Not intuitive. <laughs> so, but by the way, that happens to look like a really good recipe: roasted cinnamon, um, Brussels sprouts. Yeah, that is really good. It's a really good fall recipe. Um, you know, I made it for our Thanksgiving dinner yeah, last. Yeah, we, Brussels sprouts are big in my in my native land because it's about the only thing that grows fresh around <laughs> around Christmas time. So I so, right. I, so I remember w- one day I went shopping for my mother because we were staying there before Christmas, and I bought the most beautiful Brussels sprouts I had ever seen in my whole life, and I brought them back to the house, and I thought if I if I cook those they'll be really nice, but my mother got a hold of them first. <laughs> and, and she she killed them really dead. <laughs> she, she was not a great cook. I mean, that's, <laughs> no, we will have to admit that. In the in the Hague household, the one thing you can be sure of of what, what was on the plate in front of you is it, it was very dead. <laughs> so now you you are um, I don't want to say you're really into, but you you're aware of of the importance of nutrition so that you, you make sure that we have enough recipes here for our veggies. Yes, definitely. I, I think, you know, I, I always say that it's all about balance. So I try to eat, you know, healthy, you know, 90% of the time, but every once in a while you have to have something that's just comfort food, right? So I in the book I have um, a lot of vegetable healthy recipes and then things like I said, like pot roast and mashed potatoes and gravy. It's like... You have to have a good balance of those things, I think. Yeah, well, I, I love potatoes. In fact, you wrote, I don't know what recipe it was, but you wrote about the problem with it. It was a potato recipe, is you can't stop eating them. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Oh, here it is. Mashed new potatoes with lemon. Now, I, that I have to make because I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's so good. How did you get that recipe? What inspired um, it? Well, I was, you know, cooking in the spring and just wanted to make some, you know, new potatoes, which felt like spring to me. I probably put them with grilled chicken or something and, and just wanted to give it a little bit of a different flavor and some something different. I was just experimenting. Right. It was pot roast with gravy. It looks so good. <laughs> have, have, do, you, do you travel in Europe very much? She, Italy. She had a family trip in Italy, which okay. is mentioned in no, the book. No, I was just wondering if she'd ever been in London in the springtime. And had your favorite potatoes in the whole world. Oh, right. Do you know what those oh, are? No. They're called Jersey Royals. Oh, you've got to have those, Martina. They, 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 they grow on salt marshes right right next to the English Channel. Okay. On an island. And they have, a, they have a season for like four to six weeks, and that's it. I think it's only three weeks. Maybe three it's only three, maybe, and the chefs fight over their arrival. Oh, they're oh. so good. Oh, I'll it, have to try that. So they're called Jer- Jersey with a J-E-R-S-E-Y. Royals. Mm-hmm. Okay. You, you should get somebody to send you some. Okay. I'll look into that for sure. Now, you know here that you took a family trip to Italy, and um, uh, it, it inspired more than cocktails in you, right? Yeah, I love we, I've been to Italy a couple of times now, and um, it's always inspiring. You know, they just use the freshest ingredients, very simple, four or five ingredients to make um, the food, and and. I, cook seasonally and regionally and so I always think that's really interesting especially compared to here where we cook everything all the time you know we have um, access to all kinds of produce in and out of season and so I feel like I'm always inspired by that and going kind of like going to the market each day and finding you know what's fresh and, and letting that inspire your cooking I like that 
Yeah, well, you, you grew up in a place where you couldn't do that, right, even though you're on a farm. Yeah, no, it was a very small small town, and, um, you know, we didn't have a big grocery store, so we ate a lot of canned food um, and and fruits and vegetables from, from, you know, cans. And so I that's probably the biggest change from my childhood is that, you know, I, we eat a lot of fresh vegetables and fruits now. Yeah, well, I guess we all do, really, because it's become that kind of a world, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, Mr. Mr. Hall, Mr. Mr. Hall Foods, among among others, help help that to happen. Sometimes we think perhaps they go to extremes because because they, uh, the the produce comes from so far away and it's so expensive. Yeah, definitely. Well, here's another one that um, blackberry bacon grilled cheese. Now, how did you get to that? Well, my kids, my daughter loves grilled cheese, and my husband loves bacon, and um, so you know, I, I thought one day about putting bacon on the grilled cheese, and then I don't know how I came up with the blackberry. It's kind of a spicy blackberry chipotle sauce, and it, it's really delicious. Well, you you must really think about what you're eating to come up with all these ideas for new dishes. Yeah, yeah, it's a passion of mine. I love I love to cook and. And um, feel really happy that I've gotten to write two cookbooks and hope to get to write another one. Well, I'm sure you will. <laughs> Here's, I like this kale Caesar salad with quinoa and chicken. Now, that's healthy, right? Yeah, it's really good. Well, I wish you a lot of luck with, uh, not luck, but success. Because, I mean, it's, it's not a matter of luck so much. Except I, I keep running into this fluff salad. <laughs> I don't <understand> <laughs> You need to just tear that page out of the book. You know, to try it. <laughs> it's such a beautiful book. I don't want to do that. Your photography is really good, too. Well, the, Thank you. Sweetheart, is there a hot chicken recipe in there? No. No, I mean, no hot chicken. No hot chicken. But hot nope. chicken's really big in Nashville, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's gotten, it's definitely, um, you know, the past few years gotten quite a reputation for, for you know, being from Nashville. It's good. Uh-huh. So, but um, you don't do you don't do hot chicken yourself. A lot of these foods really aren't very spicy. I'm sorry. What did a say? lot of the recipes are not very spicy. Right. Yeah. That's okay with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, you say this is the best Negroni recipe, and this is one of Peter's favorite drinks. Oh yeah, yeah. I love a Negroni. They're so easy. I mean, really, it's, I can't take credit for that recipe. I mean. That's just how you make a Negroni, you know, but I just wanted to put it in there. and Because um, some people, um, I don't think, are very familiar with Negronis. It's not a uh, super common cocktail So um, here in America. So I wanted to put that recipe in there, and it's, it could not be easier. It's just equal parts gin, ver- sweet vermouth, and Campari. So um, I like to have one of those before dinner sometimes. It's just nice. Well, it, w- it, was, it was invented by an, by an Italian bartender somewhere. Mm-hmm. Pro- probably in New York, I would think. Maybe. Now, what's what's my favorite cocktail? Though? It's the one that has bitters in it. Can't Lots remember. of them have bitters. No, it's, in the, it. it's the original cocktail that came out of came out of New Orleans. Oh, um, Sazerac. Sazerac. Yeah, 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 that's, that's, that, that's that's my personal favorite. Yeah, he found yeah. a, a bar a bar uh, with a bartender who actually aged Sazeracs in barrels. Why did he do oh. that? No, that was Manhattan's. I thought it was Sazerac. Yeah, it was, was, was Manhattan's. Well, yeah. And, and Negroni's. He had both. both it was right. Tolga. 
Tolga. Oh, Tolga said. Tolga. He's a, he's a sh- chef owner of, of one of the one of the better restaurants here in Pittsburgh, and he was oh, okay. he was he was experimenting with with aging the cocktail mixture, not not just the bourbon part of it. Right. And the and the result the results were the results were very interesting, but you have to be careful not to put it in the barrel too long, otherwise it gets altogether too woody. And you don't you don't want a woody cocktail, or maybe you do right. want a woody cocktail. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I think that we should mention your husband John, who, first of all, um, was was not an adventurous eater, but you've turned him into one. Um, and he doesn't know much about cooking and doesn't cook often, but he does have this, I think, a, a really nice appetizer here. Um, the bacon wrapped olives. So let's give a shout out to John so he doesn't feel yeah. left out. <laughs> okay. Yeah, those are good. That's a good recipe. Then the other one read the previous page, grapefruit margaritas. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I once did a margarita party and, and people, they tasted good. So people just drank and, and the place, was, the party was over by 930. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Yeah. So, and you, you, Call the car also to your your mother-in-law, John's mother, Flavia, is it? Flavia. Flavia, yeah, who you seem to have had a really good relationship with. That's nice. Yeah, she was amazing. She was actually an amazing cook and hostess, and I learned a lot. Yeah, well, you have her deviled eggs in here. Well, there there are feel-good dishes in here. There are more adventurous, very personalized uh, Martina, mm-hmm. I mean, you can sense your personality in this whole book, and that's an accomplishment, I think. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Well, anyhow, good success and in both, yeah. both careers, your, your cookbook writing career and your music career. And wh- and what, Thank you. What's your What's your latest number? Um, I don't have a record. I, I did a Christmas album last year, so it's called It's the Holiday Season. Yeah. Okay. What's on it? I'm just curious. Uh, well, it's a big band record. Um, I recorded it in L.A. with a 38-piece band, and oh, so wow. there's a lot of swing swing numbers. And you know, um, we recorded a lot of the more popular pop songs, you know, like "Frosty the Snowman" and um, "It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas," "Winter Wonderland." So yeah, it's a really fun album. It was fun to make and and fun to listen to. And who who's your favorite person to sing with? Well, I loved I been fortunate to sing with George Strait, and that's that's a thrill. And Alan Jackson. All right. Um, yeah. Yeah. They and, uh, and Bob Seger. I think oh, there you go. Bob Seger yeah. and Jimmy Buffett. So I've really? been able to do a lot of great duets. Yeah. And that's that's wonderful. Not and, and who's who is the guy with the wonderful beard? Beard. Yeah, he sang. I don't know. He he sang a lot of he sang a lot of songs with uh, Dolly Parton. Oh, Kenny Rogers. Oh, Kenny Rogers. Kenny, Ro- Kenny Rogers, yeah. Well, have fun in Nashville. I think Nashville is certainly, I mean, it's, it's a fun city, and it's great for, for music, but now they're catching up in the food arena, so you have a lot of good choices of restaurants there now, too. Well, our favorite, our, our favorite was Catbird Seat. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I've not been there. No, it's, it's one, well, they have a new chef now, it's all the good. But, it, but, it's, but it's really good. And then we like city, oh, okay. we like City Grill too. City Grill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Now, where was the place that we the the, the chef from Catbird Seat who happens to be Irish? Oh, he, he took was. he took us he took us to I think it was Mitchell's. Mitchell's. He said you had to have a meat and three. 
and I thought I, I mean, I, <laughs> we, <laughs> it was my, we thought we had died and gone to the other place, Martina. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I had been poisoned, so I thought I couldn't see well, it. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the menu today. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, and uh, this this is one great cookbook from one great lady. Yeah, again, Martina McBride, and the cookbook is Martina's Kitchen Mix, my recipe playlist for real life. Thank you. Thank Very you. With you, guys. you too, okay, Martina. Bye. Okay, love. Did you did you get the papers off the floor? Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, that's good because we're we're ready for another interview. Who, who's coming up next? He's almost he's almost as famous as Martina McBride. Yes, yeah, so we're going right to Mark, Mark Bittman. Bittman. Is we're going to be talking to Mark about who, who, his who's on everything? Mark. I mean, he's on the Today Show. He's on goodness, goodness knows where he isn't, right? Right. The, his new book is called Dinner for Everyone, and uh, but tusk, 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 <laughs> Mark <laughs> Bittman. Uh, at the time, you didn't tell us you weren't ready to reveal um, your new venture, which is a, a new culinary magazine which I think, yay, 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 uh, will be something besides endless listicles and and uh, celebrity chef interviews and um, you know, who kn- reviews. Who knows, of right? Yeah, it, it's going to be about issues, which is something the industry really needs. Uh, you'll have to come back and talk to us about that when you get it off the ground. But, Anyhow, but in, but by in your book, Dinner for Everyone, here's Mark Pittman. You know, we get a lot of cookbooks on the menu radio, um, and uh, I don't use them all. I must say, I have three Mark Bittman cookbooks, and I use them constantly. Here's a new one, Dinner for Everyone, which I think is going to also this be is, very this useful. Is now, this is now four, right? This will be four. But the other ones I was thinking of... Uh, how to cook everything, how to cook everything, vegetarian. And what was the other one I'd like to had? Oh, the one with the vegan till... Five, I can't remember the exact title, you know. Uh, the one where you're vegan all day and then you eat omnivore dinner. Are you there, Mark? You want me to... Yeah. Okay, I'm here. You're talking about BB6, sorry. Okay. Anyhow, uh, tell us about Dinner for Everyone. It says in its subtitle, A Hundred Iconic Dishes Made Three Ways, Easy, Vegan, or Perfect for Company. And you call that something else in the book. You know, the idea was what do people want? And the answer, my answer was they want dinner. And um, what do people want for dinner? They want something they can cook fast because everybody's always interested in quicker cooking, um, they want or they will want or they should want something that's got a much higher plant content. Everybody's looking for more plant-based recipes, and they want recipes for friends and family that show that they really care. So I thought, why not do this fast, vegan, or perfect for company and do three versions of a 100 different recipes, so it's over 100 different sort of iconic concepts, and so it's 300 recipes, 100 vegan, 100 really fast, and 100 really blowout fabulous projects, but they all are, each is centered, each group of three is centered around the theme, so that's how it's worked out, and um, 
I'm really pleased with the recipes, and I'm pleased with the reception the book has got. Well, I mean, you're right on trend, as you always are with with these books. Um, I, the game I played was, first of all, I have to say, some of these dishes are so classic that I hadn't even thought about them in years. And I loved, but I loved looking up the ones that I thought. <laughs> I like that. Like, like the, Wellington. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> So, but I, I liked playing this game where I looked up a recipe where it was so meat or such centric that I can't couldn't imagine how you would possibly make it vegan. <laughs> and well, you, you know, they're well, they're not. You know, the idea is not really to say, oh, instead of chicken, put tofu in here. The idea is to say, what's the core? spirit of this dish, what's the main flavor, what's it really like, and to just try to maintain that character through the vegan dish so that stir-fry is really easy because you can, you can always just take out the meat. But in, in some of them, it just, it's, it's, um, it's really taking the meat out and, but keeping the flavor in. So huh. whether the substitute is mushrooms or tofu or beans or nothing, you know, just taking the meat out but maintaining the flavor and, and still making it a hearty dish, that's the answer. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I had to make um, Thanksgiving dinner, family dinner for Thanksgiving, uh, to accommodate my vegan cousin. <laughs> and I, right. And, um, I mean, I... I I just couldn't bring myself. I mean, I finally did, I guess. You did, yeah. I, Those artificial meats, I hate them. absolutely hate the whole idea of them. It was called Whole Foods to the Rescue, and here's a tofu turkey. A tofu turkey. <laughs> it was if you can stand that idea. I mean, it's cheating. It's like fake beer, non-alcoholic beer. It's cheating. Right. Well, but, it's not... I don't, I don't know. You could look at it both ways. It's, it's not this... There's no harm in it, really. Well, it's sort of a lie. I thought it looked kind of disgusting to tell you the truth. It was pretty disgusting. Uh, okay, yeah, but you didn't have to eat it. So I, no, didn't no, have I didn't have to eat it. No, I didn't. <laughs> so now, um, let's just demonstrate. Let's pick a recipe that I thought you, you possibly could never um, adapt and explain how you go about it. Like... Chicken salad? <laughs> well, you'll have to give me a second to get there so that I can, because you're going into a level of detail here, which is, just give me a second. You mean you're telling me you I can't I mean, again, remember? as I said, the idea, is, the idea is to keep the spirit, to keep the spirit there. So, um, oh yeah, that's the beginning of the book there, recipe. Uh-huh. It is, chicken salad. Okay, so the... The fast version of chicken salad is basically chicken breasts with a little corn, um, some ginger and sesame oil, and scallion. So it's not a mayo-based chicken salad. It's a corn miso chicken salad. So that's cool. Then the second one is, well, what are you going to do? So the flavors are similar. The chunks, instead of chicken, are jicama for the most part, which gives you crunch and body. And then the flavors are, again, olive oil and vinegar and mustard and so on. The blowout, the Fifer Company one, is actually a duck salad. Uh, it sounded really good, actually. <laughs> yeah, and that is really good. And that's 
um, you know, that's a little more elaborate. That's not a really good example of what the blowout ones are, except duck instead of chicken, but that's cool, too. But, you know, let's look at, I don't know, I, I like to look at cassoulet, which is oh, that's a good one, one of my favorites. Right, because cassoulet is so meat-based generally. So, so cassoulet, on, on the one hand, can be pork and beans, or franks and beans, for that matter, is one version. But we're not... We're not doing that. We're doing sausage cassoulet, which is is fast and easy. And then the the blowout fit for company is a classic cassoulet with duck breast. And but then what's the vegan cassoulet? Well, it's lentils, and it's really really good, and it has a lot of vegetables in it. And it's um, you know, no one's going to mistake it for a cassoulet with meat. But on the other hand, everyone's going to enjoy it. So that's kind of the point. No, um. You say this is being received really well, and I think you made the point, or did I make the point, um, that <laughs> <laughs> about how uh, there's such a demand for vegetable-forward dishes now that it's not like a sacrifice in any way to take out the meat. So you right. have a huge market I, now. Well, I think people are, you know, my... People don't need to know any longer how to eat well. It's been explained ad infinitum, and there's not new research that's going to show, oh, plants are bad for you and meat is good for you. It's not going to turn around. This is it. We know, basically, that the more plant-forward a diet is, the healthier it is, the better it is. And all of us, most of us in the United States, have grown up eating meat-heavy diets, so those of us who cook are eager and um, anxious to get more good plant-based recipes. And you know as well as I do that older cookbooks, even my older cookbooks, if you look at the original How to Cook Everything that you have, were very, very meat-heavy cookbooks. And that is not what people want or need anymore. So, um, you know, I'd say fully half of the recipes in this book are plant-based, but a solid third or, you know, 100% plant-based. So that's, you know, the fact that they're good and they're interesting and they're different, and by the way, they're tested and they work, unlike most of the recipes you find online, that's, to me, a very appealing thing. And as I said, it has been well-received. It was a, It's a little bit of a departure of the concept, but... You know, you said before I'm on trend, and I think I, I wasn't certain that would be the case. But the way you measure success of these books, fortunately or unfortunately, is by sales, and it's selling well. Good. You mean this? You mean this one's selling well, or the other ones are selling well? This no, this one. I mean, or all of them. This one is selling well. All yeah. of them are selling well. One of my yeah. one of my favorite recipes, and it's been morphed into a variety of different ways. Is from the, from the original How to Cook Everything. And it, it's salmon with lentils with vegetables chopped up in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's really good. And, and that's that thin-sliced salmon that cooks in like 30 seconds. Right, right. But but I, 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 finally, I finally got to the point where it was hard for me to consider making it again because there's, there's so much chopping. <laughs> <laughs> I, I felt like I was chopping forever and ever. Well, you know, the thing I'd like to emphasize about this book, by the way, is that um, aside from the concept, which, of course, you carry through with the plum, 
um, there are some really interesting recipes that come out of it, like uh, some of your agrodolce recipes, I think, are really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And and uh, there was another I just leaf past that I liked a lot, too. Um, I'm skipping the tofu things. I've never understood tofu. What is tofu? (laughs) (laughs) Tofu is tofu is ricotta made with soy milk, basically. That's what tofu is. Well, with ricotta... You take soy milk and you coagulate it. It's pretty simple. It's the same as making cheese with regular milk. But this cheese isn't allowed in in vegan diets. No, but tofu tofu coagulated as if it were cheese is allowed in vegan diets. Is it? Oh, it is? Okay. Well, I guess. Yeah, that's I guess. what... But I didn't realize it was cheese. Well, it's cheese in the... It's not cheese. But here's how you make cheese. You take milk and you add something that coagulates the protein. Right. And the way you make tofu is you take soy milk and you add something that coagulates the protein. So... In a way, the process, although the starting place is completely different, the process is identical and the results are not dissimilar. So to call tofu soy cheese is not unfair. It seems reasonable to me. Besides, if Mark Bittman says it, it must be so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of people who don't think that. (laughs) There's a lot of people who think that. Yeah, not my mother, let me tell you. Um, does your mother make tofu? I bet she doesn't. No, no, does not. Does not. She's probably uh, eating it, though. My, my mother never made tofu either. No, no. We just had tofu at that Thai restaurant, and we it did. wasn't that as was, bad that, as usual. It was good. It was good. <laughs> so uh, what do people complain the most about um, that you can't eat on a vegan diet? It's cheese, isn't it? Well, cheese, dairy, I mean, meat, obviously, but... Um, uh, you know, I we can talk about vegan diets for a second. I think that there's a big, you know, we tend to go to extremes in this country, and it's not necessary. You know, we don't need to get into the politics of that either. But um, just because we need, it's been demonstrated that we should be eating more plant-based food doesn't mean we have to eat only plant-based food. And so now people think, so many people think, sorry, it's okay. so many people think, because we need to eat more plant-based food, I should be a vegan. And there so- suddenly veganism becomes an ideal. And it doesn't need to be that way. You can eat more plant-based food without thinking that you need to be a vegan. So really, I'd be happy to get rid of the word vegan and just say we need to be eating more plants, because that's what the truth of the yeah, matter that's, is. Yeah, I always love that opening line of Michael Pollan's book, um, now I can't remember it. He eat, eat, eat less generally, mostly mostly vegetables. I think. So, plants, like mostly plants. mostly plants, something like that. Yeah. What is that line? It's, from, it's, uh, it's eat food, not too much. Exactly. Eat, eat real food. Eat real food, not too much. Mostly plants. Yeah, I, I like that. I still th- I still think you can hear the carrot squeal when you pull them out of the yeah, ground. Yeah, Peter thinks you can't. They've just done all these studies on um, vegetables and. <laughs> They, they have poor, sensation. Poor little purple carrots going. <laughs> oh, don't no, pull me. <laughs> there are people in the world who don't eat root vegetables. You know, the Janes don't eat root vegetables because of that exact reason. Are you so serious? They eat, really? They only eat things you can harvest off of plants without killing the plant. Oh, huh. 
interesting. It's sort of, of course, the, my vegan cousin won't eat honey either, which, you know, seems... Oh, yeah, it exploits animals. Go figure. <laughs> so what's next up for you, Mark? What are you, are you spending your time mainly doing cookbooks? Um, yeah, I do cookbooks. I do some teaching, and um, I'm working on a couple of books that are not cookbooks. But this is what's next for now. I'm concentrating on this, and I'm doing a little traveling for it and um, talking about it quite a bit. What so kind of travel are you about doing? That. Going to South by Southwest next week and uh, going to California a few weeks after that. and Yeah, got some TV and some radio and stuff like that lined up. Uh-huh. So you're busy. Busy, yes. Busy enough, for sure. You, you haven't visited us in Pittsburgh for a long time. Well, I keep trying to get there. I have to go to Cleveland, so I'm going to try to stop at Pittsburgh. Oh, when would that be? <laughs> uh, later this spring, May, I guess. Oh, great. Let us, let us know you're coming and you can make uh, a, I will do you that. can make a pit stop along the way. We'll, we'll have a party. I'll, I'll get together a bunch of people. We'll have a party. And, and the people you know, you know. And maybe some of it will be vegan, maybe it won't. <laughs> exactly. Well, undoubtedly that's what will happen. So is there any other point that we've missed about this dinner for everyone that we should I, mention? The one, po- the one thing we haven't touched on, I mean, people are not obviously looking at the book. As I've started to do in recent years, it has spectacular photography. So oh, yes. it's a really beautiful book as well as being a valuable book, I think. Yeah. Which, you know, it's sort of becoming across the board. The, the, first of all, the idea that they still keep publishing cookbooks, you know, when anybody could go online and get any recipe you ever want is amazing. And obviously they're making money on that or they'd stop publishing, I guess. Um, Right. Yeah. And uh, the other thing is when we get product samples and so forth, packaging has become almost more important than what's in the package. Well, you know, sadly, that marketing spends the marketing portion of your food dollars much bigger than the food portion of your food dollars. So that's, yeah. Yeah, But let's not go there. Well, yeah. I mean, I just read that huge article about Amazon and listing prices that are under the publisher's prices for most people's books. So, um, I mean, even for the person, the author. So, but anyhow, so we're going to keep having cookbooks. What's your next? You don't know about your next one yet? I do not. What's your um, TED Talk about? Or yourself or Southwest? My TED Talk is about, it's called What's Wrong with the Way America Eats. It's also 10 years old. So, but people still watch it, I have to say. Uh-huh. Um, I'm just about out of time here. All right, honey badge. Um, Mark, thanks for talking to us. I know how busy you are. Again, it's Mark Bittman, uh, Dinner for Everyone, and uh, this will be one of those resource books that you won't want to part with. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for having me. Take care. Bye-bye. Podcasting services for On The Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.net.
Welcome back to our final segment. Uh, you know, Southerners like to party, uh, and I mean that in a, a very warm, hospitable sort of way. And so Elizabeth High School has written a book to kind of give you, not rules, but guidelines, called the Southern Living Party Cookbook. And, and, it's, and it's actually a revival of, of a, of a, what was it, a supplement or something like that that went, that went together with a magazine called Southern Living. Right. And, and which, which became so, so popular and you couldn't find, you couldn't find them to buy anywhere. <laughs> well, anyhow, I like the, the subtitle for the book called A Modern Guide to Gathering. And I like particularly uh, one of the, the uh, guidelines saying, the people make the party, not the food, flowers, or the quality of your bathroom guest towels. So okay. that sums it up pretty well. All Let's right. listen to Elizabeth. But, but there are some recipes in there too, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, there are okay. recipes. Okay, well, here's Elizabeth. Elizabeth High School, you've done pretty much everything, haven't you? <laughs> Lord, I mean, when I read over my bio, I'm tired just reading it. I have no idea how, uh, yes, but yes, I have done just about everything from selling vegetables on the back of a prison van to <laughs> catering parties for governors to being the Today Show food contributor. So, yes, I've run the gamut. Now, are you a Mississippi State fan or a Mississippi fan? Isn't that funny? I live in Oxford, Mississippi, and which makes me, um, by, uh, you know, by distance from my house to the university, an old Miss fan, but I actually went to Mississippi State, so I'm torn. Um, normally, it's not a problem. There's only one game a year that I have to that I have to switch my allegiance back to Mississippi State, but um, yeah, so I'm a, I'm a dual fan. <laughs> Listeners, the um, amazing thing about this book is there are so many excuses to have a party in Mississippi. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know if you ever get anything else done. <laughs> well, that's why I made it my business. So we have a catering company, and so I do parties every day now. Now, is this a true story that you one time put dish soap, mistaking it for olive oil? Uh, is that true? Yes, yes, it's true. Everything in that book is true. For the Memphis so, Prima Ballerina on her wedding day, I'm that much. Yes. Mistaken. What yes, did you do? So it was, you know, this is um, this was years ago when William Sonoma had just started this new fad, I guess you would call it, where they would take glass, pretty glass bottles with a spout, you know, it would have a spout in the top of it, and it looked like an olive oil bottle to me, and <laughs> so our client had filled it with Dawn, not Dawn dishwashing, but Joy, which has that sort of yellow color oh, to it. Oh, no. Well... We were catering. We had run out of our olive oil. I found this. It was on the counter in the kitchen, and I thought that it was olive oil. And so I topped our bruschetta, and we gave it a good dousing of joy soap. Oh. And then we passed it. And so when I went to make my second round, as the others were being passed, I put the bottle down on the cabinet. When I did, a bubble popped right out of the out of the top of it. And so I thought, that's weird and then Jen C who was my partner at the time looked at me and I looked back at her and I said oh my god Jen C I think that's soap she goes you didn't just put that on the bruschetta I said oh god Jen C I did <laughs> so she ran outside and um 
there were these guests were standing there around the tray, and they had half mouthfuls of you know the bruschetta with these terrified, horrible look on their faces. Oh my God, it was gone off. Terrible, terrible. Uh, quickly googled and decided that the only thing they really that was going to happen to them is that they may have to be in the bathroom for a little while. But <laughs> they all had a good laugh out of it, and everybody was fine. But anyway, yes, that was probably one of the um, one of the most memorable party. I would um, say it would be. Yeah. I've had. Was there a third? Was there a third batch? <laughs> <laughs> it was tough. Now tell us about the Southern Living Party Cookbook because this is. A, um, a a redo of this iconic entertaining book, right? Yes, it is. So the Southern Living Party Cookbook was originally released in 1972, and um, it was just a handbook for how to entertain. It had everything from how to set a table to how much beer you'll need for a party of 100 to writing a thank you note. It also, it even gave etiquette on smoking. Um, there were at least three or four different Three or four different, um, you know, uh, references to smoking and and um, how to make sure your guests were comfortable in your home with their cigarettes, which was just hysterical. <laughs> and um, anyway, but this became the most popular book that Southern Living had ever um, produced. And so Sid Evans, the editor of Southern Living magazine, felt like it was time to re-release it. So we revamped it. We kept some of our old recipes. We added new recipes. We outlined um, some really fun modern parties and some great, um, great recipes. And then also hang on, hung, uh, we hung on to a few of the old things that we felt, felt were still um, valuable. And I think that's one of the things that I, that I was so surprised about was that there were so many different recipes and different um, party tips that still were completely relevant, um, you know, even this many years later. And... Um, that's kind of amazing because I think that the party and entertaining scene has totally changed since well, the it 70s. Has, but here it's interesting to me that some of these recipes, it's sort of like, you know, how something old is, you know, new again. Um, they're starting to kind of come back. It's sort of like the, the clothes that end up always coming back. If you'll just hang on to them for 40 years, you'll see them again. <laughs> um, you know, I swear it's that sort of same thing. And... Um, and so, and I do think that when it comes to etiquette, the, the people's manners are, you know, still the same. Um, See, that's what I find don't, missing. Don't ever expire. That's what I find missing. I mean, I, I, I used to entertain a lot and stop because people, they did outrageous things. Like, I, I'd invite, say, three couples to dinner. And I would have the table set and, you know, I had little favors for everybody and so forth. And then the guests would arrive and this one person would show up and her husband wasn't there. Oh, he couldn't make it. <laughs> and so yeah, now with yeah. everybody there, I'm having to scramble uh, to, to disassemble their place setting and the whole thing. And it's worked the other way, too, where at the last minute somebody walks in with somebody who wasn't invited at all. Right. Right, right, and that's and we do talk about that. So hopefully there'll be lots of lessons learned um, from this book that can uh, kind of help help lead people. And you know, sadly, not everyone is trained um, growing up in homes that their parents entertained or their grandparents entertained. And so there are something if you've never had a dinner party, a seated dinner party, then you don't know how to behave when you go to one. You know, I mean, you will know for the rest of your life because you were inconvenienced, I guess. 
that, you know, you must respond. You must let someone know in advance that they can't attend. And, of course, emergencies happen. But then you also have to, um, you know, it, it takes it takes throwing a party like that in order to understand. It's funny, I tell my brides, they'll say, people just don't respond anymore. You know, it just, it just infuriates me. And I said, exactly. I said, but now you will always respond because you know how important it is, right. you know. So anyway, so these are these are things, and I do hope that this guide will help with that because, um, you know, there is a lot to consider. Whenever someone's opening up their home or inviting you in, um, you know, they've gone to a lot of effort, and, and you don't ever want to minimize that. You know, you, you need to, to um, of course, be, be gracious. Even if it's simple, it's a lot of work. <laughs> but, of course it is. But I you're mean, right you about have to clean you know, your house and get everything straight. That's that's an that's an undertaking. Yeah, I mean you're right though about um, you know it's not the traditions aren't being passed down. I mean I have I have already sat down on my our grandchildren um, and I'm just looking at this picture here about setting the table, and I explained where all the um, utensils were to go and so forth. And, and I told them about uh, the um, dessert, the placement of dessert utensils. Okay, and they, they absorbed all that. And then the next day they came down for dinner and my grandson screams, Oh, no! There was no pudding. There was no pudding. <laughs> there was no pudding. <laughs> oh, I love it, I love it, I love it. Well, at least there was no pudding spoon. Right, I didn't put. I didn't have a dessert plan, so we we were going to go out for ice cream. So, but anyhow, I thought that was so funny. No, that's the best. That is just the best. Now you have occasions that um, are very southern in here. That I mean, half of them I've never even heard of, like this sip and see. What is that? Oh, I love a sip and see. So a lot of times when you've had a baby. Um, you know, and this may be your your second, your third, or maybe even your fourth child, and somebody still wants to celebrate you. You really have all the onesies and baby socks that you need, honestly, you know. Yeah. Um, and so this is just a lovely way to be celebrated where the guests don't feel compelled to bring diapers or wipes or anything like that. They're just literally coming to see the baby. Um, so they have a little bit of champagne, and of course now the mother can have a little, you know, a little sip of something that she's not <laughs> pregnant, which is fun. You have light hors d'oeuvres, maybe it's a brunch, or maybe it's a luncheon, or maybe it's just a drop by where you can have some, you know, little pickups. And, um, and so that's it. You're just there to show off your baby. We, um, we also sometimes will hold, um, sip and seize to show off wedding gifts. Um, in the South, a lot of times we'll take, the wedding gifts um, and open them and then display them. And it's sometimes fun for the older generation to be invited over to come and see the wedding gifts um, that have been given to the new bride. So that's another sip and see. It's just a, a fun way, you know, if you maybe had a new friend that had moved to town and wanted your friends to come over and, and um, visit and meet them, um, you know, that's another wonderful occasion to, to have as well. Is there a sip and see for guys? <laughs> I mean, I, it seems to me I, I read it through a good bit of this and I, I felt redundant wait what? I said I, I felt redundant redundant felt, in the English I felt, way like I, felt, I felt that I, clearly I serve no useful purpose in life because <laughs> so, when you get fired in England you say you've, you've been made redundant 
understand. Oh, I, did, I didn't realize funny. it was not, was, it's not a known American word. Huh? It's not. You, no. get, you get canned. You get, it is, but not in that sense, right? You, you get canned here, I guess, right? You get canned. Oh, I love it. <laughs> um, no, you have, uh, the other thing, I, it has to be Southern. I, I don't know anybody who's given a, a private gospel brunch, but like you, I love gospel brunches. Oh, we were just talking about this today, as a matter of fact. Um, this is one of my favorites. I think Sundays, um, you know, used to be a time when family and friends would slow down and take time to get together. And it just seems now, you know, people, everyone's so rushed all the time. And this is a time when you really can sit down, enjoy, um, and I just, I love the idea of having a gospel choir. Um, you know, rarely do people have any plans on Sundays after church. And so this is sometimes a nice time to, to entertain and to have people over. Right. Again, I think that's more a southern thing. I mean, we don't have all that stuff going on. But you have every conceivable um, occasion for a party. Which are some of your favorites besides the gospel brunch? Mm. I think there's not a party that I've met that I don't love. So it's hard <laughs> for me to say. I mean, I just, I love them all. It just kind of depends on the season. It depends on my mood. Um, you know, but I just, I think honestly, just any time that you can get friends together, whether it's a small party, you know, of just your closest friends, or whether you're really reaching out, you know, and having a big fun celebration, um, I just don't think that there's anything like it. You know, in life, we, um, we're faced with so many things that aren't fun, that, that are treacherous, that are painful, and, um, and so it's nice to, to have friends and to celebrate life and just, you know, and just, Wonderful, wonderful times. Yeah. Now, in addition to that, I mean, let's not forget that that this is a cookbook as well as an entertaining book. So you have some wonderful recipes in it. Um, oh my lord! Yeah, classics. and that's the thing that's so fun that I want people to remember is that when you are entertaining, you have a lot to do. You know, I mean, you've got to get your house together. You need to make sure that all your pillows are fluffed and. You know, and that sort of thing. So, so all of these recipes are super simple. This is not the time to try to figure out how to make hummingbird tongue on toast. <laughs> you know, you want these recipes to be easy. You want to be able, your guests, I mean, you want to um, be able to make them ahead so that you can actually enjoy your guests rather than running around like a chicken with your head cut off at the last minute, you know, with your yeah. head in the stove. You want, um, you 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 need to be relaxed, and you need to enjoy your party just as much as everybody else does. So that's one of the reasons that a lot of these recipes are super super simple. Well, yeah, but they're also, I mean, they're they're iconic recipes for the most part. Um, yes, and super delicious. Yes, let's not forget they, that. That's why they've endured because of that. Uh, I mean, yes. of course, I, I would think. Um, that if you didn't have pimento cheese, that you, your guests would rise up and use it and walk out of the house. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you even have in this book party games. What's your favorite party game? Wait, what? Party games. Do I have a, what party games? Party games. You have a horseshoes here. Oh, well, you know, one of the things, wait, I'm sorry, like, uh, like different parties to play with your guests during the party? Yes, yes. I mean, different games? Yes. Like cornhole or something like that? I'm not sure. Oh, it says here in front of me, party games, and it has multicolor horseshoes. 
Oh, 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 yes. I'm sorry. I was having a little bit of trouble hearing you. Yeah. Yes, I mean, you know, and that's something that's always fun is if you'll include a game. Um, you know, it kind of gives guests something to focus on. It's a great icebreaker. Horseshoes are fun. Cornhole is another game that we play in the South that's right. a lot of fun. Frisbees, put a few footballs out there if you've got kids that are going to be around. Um, it just makes it just it makes it so much fun for the guest. Right. I like this marinated herb tomatoes. That sounds good too. Yeah. Well, everything in the everything in the whole book looks good. It does. I, I don't want to cook tonight. I'm just going to eat the pages in this book. <laughs> yeah, the photography is rather splendid, I must say. We're we're having chicken, just in case you're wondering. We're having, we're having chick. We're having chicken legs. Legs. Okay. We, we got five. I don't. It's a funny chicken. He <laughs> <laughs> had he had, had five legs. <laughs> so, do you think do you have ambitions with this book that you're going to bring back entertaining in a in a serious vein again? I mean, fun vein, but like people going to some effort. I mean, we know people who um, they have a, a a mansion, let's say, a very fancy place, three kids, and dinner is they put all the stuff out on the sideboard. And if everybody walks by, and if they feel like it, they take something, and that's dinner. They they put their idea of dinner, and I'm talking about the the youngest generation. They and it's not a class thing. It's I mean, they're affluent, educated, and so forth. But their idea of dinner is they put all the stuff out on the sideboard, and then everybody walks by, and if somebody feels like eating something, they just pick it up and go on and eat it. So more of a buffet something, supper, something very casual. I just, you know what, I honestly think that anytime you're inviting someone into your home, whatever you end up serving or however you end up serving it is lovely. Whatever suits your family and, and you're most comfortable with, I think anytime we do a dinner party, I think it becomes a little bit more intimidating. I do think that sometimes if you are doing a buffet, um, you know, and you, and you don't have a lot of, um, you know, help serve, it's nice because you can just put it out mm-hmm. and then you can enjoy your guests, you know. So so there are lots of different ways to entertain. But honestly, I think whatever suits you and your friends um, is always going to be best. And, and not, only, not only that, you'll advise them what to drink when they're eating. Yes, lots of cocktails in this book lots because of cocktail- it would hardly be a party yeah, without a cocktail. cocktails, yeah. <laughs> I noticed. I, I noticed that and then we a- even did some recipes for mocktails, too, which is a ton of fun. Yeah, that's know, a so thing that, now. That gives it, that's a little bit interesting as well. Oh, that's a thing now, I know. It is? Yes, for those that don't yeah. drink, sometimes it's nice to offer something that they'll enjoy, too. Did you ever live any place outside of the South? Ma'am? Have you lived any place outside of the South? No, Lord, no, 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 no. No, I've always lived in the South. Um, I did spend a little bit of time up north, um, but a very, very short period of time. But yes, I've always been in the South. Yeah, you'd, you'd be surprised. I think of the differences. We we got to know the, the cultural differences when our children lived in South Carolina for a while. Oh, did you? Yeah, very different, very different, especially it in the It is. No, you're one. right. It absolutely is. It's, it's, it's like going to another planet in a lot of ways. Right. Um, you know, but I think deep down, everybody, all people are just about the same. And, um, and, and I think if, um, 
you know, I think that all of our parties, depending on where you are and, again, like I said, what your um, what your families are like, it's, um, you know, they can all still be tons of fun, which is really the main thing is making sure that your, you know, your friends and family know that you appreciate them and you're grateful that they came over. Now, I, saw, I did see something very interesting. In setting your table, you made stacks of books and then put things on top. So we need to encourage people to buy more than one copy of Southern Living Body Cookbook. <laughs> so well, of course, of so, course. So that, so that I have something to so that I have something to rest the hors d'oeuvres on. Yeah. Again, yes. it's Elizabeth High School. It's the Southern Living Party Cookbook, and this is to fill in the gap between everything you ever thought you knew and what you really need to know for modern uh, guide a modern guide to gathering. Um, Elizabeth, well. thank you so much. Thank you so much. I do appreciate your call and enjoyed speaking with you all so much today. Us too. And uh, yes, and much luck with this book. Thank you, Angel. I appreciate it. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay, listeners, it's time to say goodbye until the same time, same place next week. But be sure to join us then. And in the meantime, bye-bye.